Are dents and scratches putting a dent in your day? Introducing Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide, your trusted solution for automotive woes. With over two decades of expertise, Rogerstein Crash Repairs guarantees top-notch service, restoring your vehicle to its former glory in no time. From minor dings to major collisions, our skilled technicians handle it all with precision and care using state-of-the-art equipment and techniques. Rogerstein Crash Repairs saved my car. It looks brand new. Fast, friendly and reliable. I wouldn't trust anyone else with my vehicle. Don't let accidents slow you down. Visit Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide at 14 Penner Avenue, Glind for quality service you can count on. And here's a special offer just for our listeners. Mention this podcast and receive a $100 discount on your repair. Roger Steen Crash Repairs Adelaide. Excellence in every repair. Previously, Previously. on the Game On Podcast. So, but I was always big on the fact that like if I wanted to be a great partner and a great person that um, I needed to step away from cricket in order to do that I probably felt as though that cricket became um, I was not the greatest person in terms of what I felt as though I was a like a genuinely I cared about myself but also cared about the people around me I thought it became quite yep. um, um, segregated from what I really could be as a person so um, I sort of thought as though if I take breaks off cricket eh, periodically um, I could have a good opportunity to, um, you know, come back in a, in a mind frame that was healthy for myself, but also better for my partner and better for my family and better for my friends. Um, but also, you know, make sure that when I am playing cricket, I'm doing the best I can. I'm not just, um, you know, sort of not doing the right team thing as well. So I think mental health is one of those a spectrum of things. But yeah, we are getting a lot better understanding that like injuries or anything else, you know, periods of time off, it doesn't mean it's the end of their career or anything. It's just times that you get um, where people aren't their best and if, if they're safe enough to go off and have a bit of time off, which Saka have been really good with me with that and so has Cricket Tasmania. They've been really good at understanding the fact that I do, you know, I, I do have like anxiety and OCD and stuff like that and things that I take medication and stuff for. So um, I've sort of got to, you know, they've got to realise that if I want to be at the best position as a player, I've got to be able to also be right mentally. And you're not always going to be right mentally, but, you know, there's a good opportunity to, if you can be consistent in what you're doing day to day, it's hard sometimes when you're playing cricket um, all the time and on the road and in front of people's eyes, you sort of, sometimes you lose the, the who you are as a person, which is um, makes it quite difficult sometimes. Well, there's, I reckon that's superb in terms of uh, incredible honesty. And two, and I think we all, we're all guilty of forgetting that your life is lived publicly. And the other thing too with, as a first-class cricketer, you're travelling so much. Like that's yeah, yeah. it's really forgotten. Like, and you're a classic example at the moment. People wouldn't realise that Jake Weatherall's over in Perth at the moment because he's not playing in the game. They would think, well, we'd be back in Tasmania, etc. And people yeah, just yeah. don't realise. And then that pressure that does put on uh, relationship, you know, relationship-wise. And I, I think that's a really mature, fantastic, honest way of looking at it, uh, Jake. Sportscast SA presents Game On. Game On. 
South Australia's destination for everything sports. Local, national, and international sports. AFL football, soccer, basketball, golf, baseball, tennis, cricket, and any other sports played in this wide world. And we're going to have a blast doing it. So sit back, relax, and let's do this thing. Welcome Welcome to Game On. Welcome to Game On. My name's Pete and uh, joined once again by Malcolm. Uh, Welcome back, mate. Uh, Phil did a fantastic job filling in last week, but good to see you back in the uh, studio, mate. Let's just say... uh yeah, what I went through, I wouldn't wish that on the worst enemy. So yes, welcome back, mate. And we and thank Jake Weatherald. Obviously, we split his uh, interview up yeah. over the last couple of weeks to to sort of fit everything in. And um, you know, obviously talking about you know some of his mental health battles, uh, especially when it comes to uh, the perfections of playing a sport at a reasonably elite level. Elite level. It's probably as well thought out response as I've ever heard from anyone. And just switched on, recognised the warning signs now. Great support from his partner is probably as much as anything there. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I don't think Weathers has got it right there that, hey, I'm not right, it's time for some time off. And good support by both Saka and now Tasmania. I think that's great. Fantastic. And obviously, yeah, partners and family are yeah. very, very integral to that yeah. as well. So we thank Weathers for that as well. Around the Grounds. Today we're going to have a look at the basketball, some SNFL. We're going to talk Port Adelaide today, the soccer, and in our past players, past legends segment, we've got Jimmy Allen or James Allen from the North Adelaide and Norwood Football Clubs. But we'll kick off with the AFL. Adelaide, their Thebiton facility finally looks like it's going to go ahead. Yeah, look, finally it's going ahead. If uh, Personally, if the Adelaide City Council and the Parkland Preservation Society had any common sense that it'd be in North Adelaide, but unfortunately we know that hasn't happened, which is personally staggering incompetence, but at least finally the Thebiton bit with the towing and throwing and mm-hmm. arguing over trees, and yeah, finally it's going ahead. Some slight adjustments along the way that yeah. you know probably could have been sorted out initially, but has seemed to drag on for quite some time. But yeah, you're right, it, it is uh, unfortunate that it isn't going to be at North Adelaide, but Thebiton is probably the next best site f- for yeah. the Crows, really, at the end of the day. It is. It's just a shame that South Australian, we're not known for common sense over this sort of thing, you know, look on your side, et cetera, et cetera. I was so, going to say development yeah. planning hasn't yes. been a strong point no. in the past, but uh, no. look, well done to the Crows. It looks like yes. they've finally got their uh, ambition and their project off the ground and uh, looks like they're going to be breaking ground in uh, 2024 and about a two-year build. Which, be about that. About yeah. that, which won't be too bad. All right, mate, we move on to uh, Port Adelaide. A big ruckman with a small setback after a quick surgery. Yeah, at least it's took something. He'll still do most of the fitness work, Ivan Soldo, so I don't really think that's too much drama no. at this stage. Uh, obviously looking for a couple of stories late in December here. Yeah. Most clubs have wound up their uh, pre-season training, so you know we're sort of nitpicking at a few little things yeah. here as well, and I think you're right. I don't think he's going to miss too much of the pre-season. I think they anticipate him coming back at the end of January. Uh, staying with the AFL, mate. Dusty from Richmond in ripping form before the Christmas break, so the reports say. Yeah, we're all faster, we're all fitter, <laughs> we're all better, Nick, than ever before. I, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, I, I I think more the next bit where we've got it on a running street is the worry. About Oliver. Oliver, like, mm. yeah, it's, it's 
obviously so many things going on. You know, picked up by the police driving when he wasn't meant to because of the previous episode. So, look, a lot of things going on there and you just really wonder where he's at. We're just going to have to wait and see. You know, it's, it's, I'm sure Melbourne are very worried about it. I think if we can take anything from, you know, Jake Weatherald in, in that, you yeah. know, I think, you know, he's got to get a few things in place or the ducks in a row, so to speak. Um, it is a bit of a worry and hence the reason why I did add it to the running sheet is that, uh, you know, Oliver's very important to Melbourne's structure and, uh, you know, first and foremost, his health is number one, but, you know, you really want to get him on the right track there. So, And I think that's probably the point. There is a major question mark on him having those ducks and drakes in place somewhere. We've just got to now got to wait and see. And I think everyone's probably pretty nervous about it, worried that what could happen. Mm-hmm. So look, hopefully it does. You know, hopefully he gets back on the. You know, just look. Hopefully things get sorted out. Absolutely. That's I mean, obviously during the trade period, his name was thrown up at yeah. two or three different clubs. Not always a great thing. Um, but, yeah, leaving the training uh, camp a little bit early is certainly not what Melbourne had wanted, but obviously, like we said, his health is first and foremost. Oh, look, you never know. It may have been organised that way and he may have been booked in to see people and all that. So, you know, we may be jumping at shadows, but I think because there's been so many things about him, that that's where it is a worry. Absolutely. All right, and uh, just to finish off on the AFL, the preseason fixtures were released, both Adelaide clubs playing each other and also playing the WA teams. Been a little bit of pushback on, you know, the Crows and Port don't really want to play each other in yeah, a pre-season I, game. How do you sort of see it? I hate them playing a pre-season game. I'd rather have one pre-season game and then in the season. I think there's, while it's ho-hum pre-season, mm-hmm. just, just play one game. Same with everyone. Everyone starts the same. Bang, and away you go. Is it a case that the old school of that pre-season lead-up where you do get three or four games is now going out the window with players being better prepared so that way they can start from round one, like you're saying, rather than too many pre-season games. I just think it should be that way anyway because it's the same for every side. Mm-hmm. So away you go, yeah. Fair fair call. And then obviously Adelaide playing West Coast and yeah. Port Adelaide playing Adelaide. Fremantle yeah. as part of the other community camp style pre-season games very interesting that you know obviously no travel in the first week of the the uh, pre-season and then you're playing probably your biggest rival uh, and then obviously Adelaide heading over to WA and Port Adelaide staying here and Adelaide playing Frio so going to be interesting all right mate we move on to cricket Uh, Australia predictably win the first test in style but seemed like record time really at the end of the day yeah, they fell away pretty quick, Pakistan. It, I think it was interesting where Kawaja were hit and Smith hit and Marsh, that there were the Pakistanis looking at the at the wicket, and I reckon their batsmen had panicked and waved the white flag effectively before they batted in the second innings. So, yep. yeah, look, they were competitive in the first innings. and we all I thought, thought their, oh, bowling, their bowling was, wasn't, too, wasn't bad, too bad. Yep, and I think we all thought, oh, this is pleasantly more competitive than we thought. But... Yeah, they fell away dramatically. They so, did indeed. Yeah. Uh, the crowds concerning at test match level or, you know, what are your thoughts on that? West Australians are interesting. It's almost another country over there and I think they've still got their nose out of joint with Langer at the end of his tenure and they are different. Um, Not being awarded some test matches, obviously, yeah, during that COVID geez, period as well. But they've now thrown it open without their lack of crowd that... 
they're no certainty to get test matches in the future, so they're only going to have themselves to blame. So. I think it is concerning. I mean, we've obviously talked previously about some of the crowds in some of the test matches. Obviously, the, the Shield games are almost the same way. Is it a case of that five-day cricket has lost a little bit of its luster, or is it that we're just simply playing Pakistan at the moment and the West Indies that it may be harder to draw a crowd against teams we're expected to beat quite easily? Yeah, I think so. Maybe a little bit of both, but I think if if we were playing India or India or England, it's a, it's full house. So yeah, unfortunately, I think it's probably now the four countries, with include New Zealand as well. Yeah. So the big three and New Zealand, and then it's a real worry. And look, the West Indies side, which has got named to come out here, I think you and I are pretty unlucky to have missed out, Pete. Yeah. Well, jeez. I. Uh... Yeah, I might need to submit my resume right. there, um, bat and bowl and maybe a little bit of fielding, but uh, we'll see how we go. All right, mate, we move on to the Adelaide Strikers. They, well, they technically opened their account in pretty good style on a uh, on a pitch that scored four hundred runs on Tuesday night. Yeah, it's crazy <laughs> that is amazing, isn't it? Yeah, like it's just mind boggling. The scores just continue to go up and up, and how in the hell you can be chasing two hundred and if effectively have it under control, the majority of your chase is, uh, yeah. So Obviously, the strikers washed out in their first game there, yep. sharing the points, but um, it, it was a bit of excitement there that, uh, you know, we were chasing a pretty reasonable score when you really think about it, and, um, gee, it was a thrilling finish in the end that um, that uh, the strikers get up and, and open their account, and Hopefully they can move on. A bit of a different look strikers team as well. That's yeah, the other, that's, that's the true. other thing that yeah, I wanted to. It has to, to changed up. changed a bit more than I think we thought. No, mm. the first day, the first game on that Saturday night. I'm sure Mark Robinson organised for the weather. He wanted his 60th to be the main <laughs> talking point in Adelaide that night. Yes. So well done, Robbo. Um, yeah, no, it is. You, you sit in and you think, oh, it's a virtually completely new bowling lineup. Yeah. So Payne, Overton. So yeah, it is. It is interesting. It's got to wait and see. But uh, uh, Darcy Short looked good opening with Matt Short. So that was promising. And he's a pretty good 2020 player. So yep. I think his bowling could be important too. I was surprised he didn't bowl on uh, Tuesday. So we'll wait and see what happens there and as our, well. And our previous guest, uh, Jake Weatherall, there, a uh, bit of an unusual dismissal in the end. Obviously, I'm a fan of Weathers and know him reasonably well, but running between wickets is not Jake's strength. Um, yeah, bizarre. Look, I think he thought he was going to be out by a mile. Yes. And then all of a sudden, oh, shit, maybe, I'm I, half might, a chance. maybe I might have made this if I'd... Uh, so he left himself wide open for criticism. Um, yeah. Look, hey, we all have brain fades uh, and that was definitely one, but at the end of the day, it didn't affect the result, luckily. Obviously, uh, the strikers there hoping to uh, to back up with a big win coming up in their next match. All right, we'll circle back to the test cricket, mate. The second test in Melbourne on Boxing Day. What are we sort of expecting? Look, I think because Boxing Day is such an institution, they're, they're trying to say they're hoping they'll get 70 or 80. I think 60 is probably more realistic, Yep, uh, which is still an incredible crowd. Um, you'd expect Australia still to be just too strong. Uh, Australia be unchanged. She's a bit unlucky for Boland. Scotty Boland, the MCG Specialist looks like he'll just miss out because the incumbents are... Just bowling too well at the moment. Oh, they've just got their spots rubber stamped. Um, Pretty hard to argue with. And it's the first quartet who've all taken more than 230 test wickets. 
uh, first time in history. Also an incredible stat that 10 out of the 11 in the current Australian side have made over 1,000 test runs. So wow. There's a couple of incredible things there. So. Well, I suppose if you're basing uh, your so selection a little bit on, on, on um, statistics and combinations that are working quite well, um, yeah, you can't argue with that. My only concern is probably Labashane hasn't really yeah, scored anything in, yeah. the, in the last little bit. Um, but at the same time, you, you know how good a player he is. Well, his previous performance over the last 18 months means he's got a few uh, a few in the bank. Absolutely. Um, one last one. I, we didn't have it on the run sheet, but uh, Adam Gilchrist um, being involved with the India-Australia sort of board uh, sort of level um, about how they can improve the game of cricket. And obviously one of his mandates is the amount of cricket that is being played and how, you know, really that, and we did talk about a couple of weeks ago that, that playing the T20 straight after the World Cup was money-hungry and and uh, a little bit too much cricket. Um, he's now on a board that's going to review a lot of that and he has some very, very strong points about it. Let's just say I hope he gets his points made and there's some listening to that it's not just silver lining and no, we're only listening to the bottom line of the dollar and the IPL you know, um, owners of their sides and all <laughs> stuff like that. So we've just got to wait and see. Look, it's a huge worry that... West Indies guys pulling out for 2020 comps back because they're earning more that way. So cricket at the moment, worldwide, it's a huge concern. We've just got to wait and see. But It almost needs yeah. a little bit of a reset and, and and settling everything down rather than we just keep adding and adding and adding and adding to it. Um, I think good luck with that because it's private money coming in. Yep. And how do you stop it? Business, a multi-billion dollar business. It's certainly going to be an interesting watch. Uh, yeah. All right, mate, we move on to the AFLW. Believe it or not, still in the news. Um, yeah. The AFL marketing machine is working overtime at the moment, but the AFLW draft was held this week, and Adelaide and Port Adelaide have picked up a couple of really, really good players. Oh, look, Piper Window, by nominating to stay in South Australia, was always going to be Port's choice. So Port have effectively have got a top five choice in fact, she's, there's no doubt should have been chosen before yes. uh, Greg who went at six. And I rate, I rate Elaine Greg, don't get me wrong, yep. commentated her a couple of times as well. Yes. But Piper Window can seriously play. Absolutely. Um, she was the obvious player out of Sanford last year. Yeah, pick 19 was Piper Window. Alyssa Brook at 25 to Port Adelaide. And Adelaide pick up Brook Bolognier, uh, Tamara Henry and Lily Tarlinton yep. um, at uh, picks 22, 28 and 34. Few changes with some of the squads going on at the moment. A couple of players retiring, a couple of players uh, coming in, obviously as part of pre-season selections, and then obviously the uh, the AFL draft as well. Um, the SNFL was reasonably well represented in the end. South Adelaide in particular, so uh, they're quite happy there in terms of their numbers. A bit worried who they've lost in terms of the yep. few this year, but South Adelaide as a club, they're pretty happy with their rep, you know, representation. Look. Well done, Adelaide Footy Club, the media machine for having their players in uh, Anne Hatchard and, and Sarah Allen and that ready to greet. Yes. As soon as Brooke's name was read out, knowing that it, because she'd nominated locally that it was, it was Adelaide, be, yep. everyone knew it was window one and boiler two effectively in those choices. So the Adelaide girls were ready to walk straight into Norlunga at the time. So, yeah, that was well done. Absolutely. And, uh, I know Gary, I've seen a little report, Gary Window wasn't, wasn't entirely happy. Um, um, oh, look, yeah, you move on from that. Well, it's a bit like the Corns uh, 
situation where the Cornses ended up at Port Adelaide and Graham was you know, scratching his head for a couple of minutes there going, oh, I don't know if I can do Port Adelaide. But no, it is a... It is a AFL competition and players want to play at the highest level and that's the price you've got to pay. And give Graham his due. He was prepared to go on the board to get the, to get them over the line as father-son selections, but that's another Tory at all completely. We'll oh, move on. Might talk about that one a little bit later. All right, mate, we're going to take a very, very quick break. When we come back, we've got basketball, SNFL, soccer and James Allen. You're listening to the Game On Podcast. We'll be right back. After this short break. All right, mate. Basketball, the Adelaide 36ers. Another coach, Craig Simpson, leaves as Ninnis hints at further rotational changes. I'm just trying to wonder what the 36ers can do at the moment. Uh, things aren't going too well. They're obviously looking for a new coach. They've now got an assistant coach, which I think, just reading between the lines a little bit, was sort of pre-planned to be at the end of the season, but has come about a little bit quicker. It's incredible they're still getting numbers at their games, though. So as we've spoken about on previous episodes, they're doing something right there in that regard. Yeah, continue to be a basket case overall, but get great support. It's, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. Uh, playing the Brisbane Bullets on Christmas Eve here at the Entertainment yep. Centre. Do we think Adelaide needs a bit of a full reset right across the board, the 36ers? I think potentially, yes. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt there. There's... It's dragged on and on now for a fair while. Yep. Where we've been just run of the mill. I mean, because you look at AFL clubs, I mean, you know, things start to go wrong and yeah. things start to fall apart and all of a sudden they bring in an external, external review. review yeah. yep. um, and that's why I put it on the run sheet. You know, is it time for the 36s? You say yes. I say yes as well, mate. Yep. All right, mate, we move on to the SNFL. Like we've talked about most weeks, we want to keep the SNFL in the news. Uh, this week we're talking about Port Adelaide. You're one week late because... We did Norwood last week, and sure. Phil, being the port man, was sitting here. <laughs> and this week we're doing port, and you're sitting here. Yeah. But uh, no, um, Ivan so- Soto, Soldo, Jordan Sweet, Brendan Zerk Thatcher, Asava Radigalia, Tom Anstapopoulos, and Lachlan Carlston, Will Lorenz, and Xavier Walsh are all the players coming. Yeah, pretty crucial point there. Though. So, so it's not SNFL, though, that's the port AFL Correct. comings and going. So yeah, it's, it's a little bit different there. Look, um, Tom Jonas leaving. Obviously, his body let him down in the end, yep. probably as much as anything. Orazio Fantasia, unfortunately, just didn't get on the park enough. It's you know interesting that Carlton have given him two years because I think we all know his ability. Yep. So, yeah, it's just... Xavier Dersma is an interesting one. Didn't quite kick on. Injuries caught up there as well. Yes. Um. Had a brilliant start to his career. I mean, really could have been anything at one stage. And then, yeah, yeah like you said, injuries did catch up with him. Yeah, and I'm not sure what's happening with Trent Germont. Yeah, Brian, uh, Trent Germont, um, Riley Bonner, Brian Tickle, and Nathan Buckler are the other ones that are yeah, departing so Alberton. Riley Bonner's been picked up, picked by, up by St, St. Kilda. Kilda yep. And all the best to Riley um, and that. Yeah, I'm not sure we're... I was obviously hoping it was going to be at Norwood, yep. but I'm not sure what's going well, on there. look, there's still a little bit of time left, yeah. and clubs are still sorting out their list spots at the AFL level, which means it could come back to the SNFL at some stage. So we might follow that one up after the Christmas break, mate. All right, mate, we move on to soccer. Lady United are taking on Newcastle Jets this Friday night in what really has become a bit of a do-or-die clash for their finals opportunities. Just too big a gap between their good and bad. That's... 
probably the thing. Like they looked a million dollars from some games early in the year, and then yep. the game against Brisbane, nil all at half time, and we should have been in front. And then we made a couple of diabolical clangers with turnovers, which the you know you and I at under twelves was about that standard. It mm-hmm. was terrible, and uh, suddenly two nil down. Through Brisbane really not doing anything, more yes. Adelaide just stuffing up. It's, and they've sort of lost lost a bit of confidence from there. As we know, it's such a fine line and yep. and away, you know. Obviously, uh they've you know, dro- only won one from their last five games. Yeah. So it it now becomes they're sitting seventh at the yeah, moment. No, they're, they're they're in that sort of borderline area and we did talk a couple of weeks ago about, you know, blooding some youth and you know, is it a year that we sort of step back a little bit and let these players develop? Um, but I still think there's enough good players there for them to be getting some results. Well, I think we thought that early, and then we thought, well, no, they're, they're better than this, better than we expected. And then they're so they're showing enough ability, but just mentally making errors and mm-hmm. switching on and not, you know, switching off. Uh, has been the crucial stuff. So we just got to wait and see. Is it a case we got a little bit of false economy on that? Maybe. Possibly. All right, mate, we're going to take a very, very quick break. When we come back, Jimmy Allen. Liking this podcast? Please like, rate, and subscribe. Past players. Past legends. Past legends. Tonight, we are pleased to welcome Jimmy McGarry Allen to the show. Casual 117 games for North, more importantly 27 for Nord, 70 old, but a ridiculous record. McGarry medalists 07, 10 and 11. North's best and fairest five years in a row. The Advertiser Player of the Year 7 and 10. Team of the Year 7 to 11. Basically the second most decorated player at the North Adelaide Club, well, second or third, behind Robberon and Farmer. So... You, I reckon you could just take that, Jimmy, and give life away after that personally. To, uh, welcome aboard, mate. Thank you very much. Thanks for the kind words. Yeah, I'll definitely take that. I'm not sure it's true, but I'll take it. That's uh, sure. Don't worry about that, Jimmy. Always always go with that. It's, it says it there. So, yeah. Jimmy, we'd like to start uh, like we do with most of our guests. Uh, where you started your junior career, we, we do a little bit of research on, on our guests and Yep. Obviously, you started out in Victoria. I did, yeah. I'm um, I'm a Lara boy, just uh, out of my suburb of Geelong. So I played my junior footy at Lara. Um, sort of went through the Falcons underage programs um, all the way from under 15. And then when I was 16, I played uh, a couple of senior games at Lara before going to the Falcons full-time. Played there as a 17-year-old, um, as a bottom-age player, then was going back the next year, did my knee, had knee reconstruction and missed the whole under-18 year. Was lucky enough to still get rookie to Geelong. Yeah, I thought didn't you were have Geelong, a great season. Yeah. yeah, didn't have a great season at all. It was probably the easiest delisting the club's ever <laughs> had, I would have thought, at the end of 2004. Made my way to Werribee for two years um, in the VFL and played the losing grand final there. Second year, I got injured again, so I only played 12 games in my second year and then had a bit of time to think, and at the time, wherever he was aligned with the Western Bulldogs, and I struggled with that a little bit as a probably as a young player who had a reasonably healthy opinion of his own ability, um, <laughs> and like just the way that it worked there, and, and a competitive 
you know, sort of player as well, competitive person. I, I, I found it hard to understand that not everyone in the team or at the club was trying to win every week. There was a lot about development. So started looking elsewhere and made my way to North Adelaide, which was the best move of my life, really. Um, had six years there, came back to Lara for a year and ended up in Norwood for a couple of years. So been a bit of everywhere um, and, and enjoyed every minute of it. So we'll just uh, go back a little bit. Uh, your time in Lara, uh, obviously uh, part of your development process. Um, yep. Any any good players come out of Lara apart from yourself? Uh, there's been a few, sort of more so recently. Um, Alan Christensen, yep. the Lara boy, Devin Smith, Josh Walker. Um, to be honest, there's not much else to do apart from play footy and cricket in Lara. So, <laughs> um, yeah, have produced some, but... Yeah, before that, look, there were some other some other pretty handy players. The Christensen brothers all came from there. That's um, Bundy's dad and his uncles and, and those guys. So, yeah, there's been some, some big names come through at Lara. Junior footy's probably not thriving like it was a while ago, and that's not just in Lara. It's, no, it's a bit everywhere. Of everywhere but, yeah, yeah we, we've had... Um, you look at the strong clubs, strong community clubs. Results haven't been great in recent times, but Devin's back involved now. Um yeah, hopefully they get things back on track. They're in a really strong league in the Geelong Footy League. That was a great grounding for me. And when you arrived at North Adelaide, you certainly arrived with a bang in 07, Jimmy. You virtually did everything that year. Um, you debuted against Centrals in round one. And yep. You, so you won the McGarry, Advertiser and Football Budget Player of the Year, Selection Advertiser Team of the Year, and your first of your Norths. Uh, five BNFs in a row. So, yeah, what a bad year, mate. Uh, oh, it was a good year. We, like, the best part about it, we played in the grand final. Yes. Um, even though we lost that grand final, I, I say this all the time, I, I played in the losing one at Werribee. I'd much rather the experience of losing a grand final than not having tasted it at all. It was an unbelievable build-up. You know, people coming to training, which never yeah. happened. Um, it's an exciting time. Um you know, I still think about the losses a, a bit. Probably the one at Werribee, we were the best team all year and lost. But I was nine, I was twenty. Um, yep. Thought that was going to happen every year. I, I don't think we're ever going to beat Centrals in 07. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's a bit different when you have high expectations. But they are the best team, probably the best team in the sample in my time over there. I reckon. Yeah, it's um, fair. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, you mentioned all that other stuff, but I reckon being a first year player, I slipped under the radar a little bit, and I. Played with some unbelievably good and experienced players. Like we had Laddams, Uni, Alloway, Motlop, Howard, Spawn, all these guys were genuine guns of the SANFL. And I was just a young kid who sort of rode on their coattails a little bit and cashed in with all the attention they got. So uh, it was an unbelievable year. It was a great move. The best part about it was going to a footy club that was a, a, a great footy club and embraced me. And it was like a second family for me. So we'll take a... Just a small step backwards there. Who was instrumental in getting you to North Adelaide? Oh, Jars um, was massive. He, I remember him calling me up. And probably at the time I was looking for a move and probably at that age was looking for a bit of love as well. And I remember him calling me up and he introduced himself as Papa Bear and told me that I needed to get over to Adelaide and Papa Bear was going to look after him. And for me, that was sort of the... That got that got me done. I was probably already going to go there. They they spoke to me the year before, but I wasn't where I wasn't ready to leave Werribee or leave home. But 
the next year, it was probably always going to be North Adelaide. And when Jazz, um, you know, gave me the call, I was pretty much sold. Even though I had meetings with other clubs, they were sort of pushing shit uphill a little bit, I think, because I was done and dusted. And so your career at North, you, you really, you did take the competition by storm and that, but do you think back of anything you would have done differently at North in terms of, it's a bit of a mixed, not a huge amount of success. You, you certainly your most amount of success was in your first year, but just your overall time at North Adelaide. Would you, you, just reflections there. Look, Jimmy, I, I reckon at times you your hunt of the ball was fantastic, but I reckon there was times you got a bit too much of the ball in the back half and could have hurt sides a little bit more going forward. But that was the general line of thought that Gigi's a bloody gun, but. I reckon, yeah. you know, along those lines of things. Yeah, well, it's, an, it's an interesting one. I've heard it all before. I guess yeah. from, my, from my point of view, I, I was never given feedback from coaches about not doing that. In fact, a lot of the coaches like Roger James and our assistants there encouraged me to work back, and I think the defenders appreciated that as yeah. well. So, yeah, that's fair. Like it's, it's, I would have loved to pick more goals. No worries. We have plenty of guys doing that early days. But... Um, one thing I always say, Malcolm, is I was still getting tagged most weeks. I was obviously doing something that was hurting the opposition. That was yeah. that would be my yep. argument. But um, oh, look, as, as you as you get older, um, you probably look at, at at doing things differently. And I know I'm probably a better player by the end of my career when I focused more on what I could do to help the team. And I think yeah. that's just a maturity thing. Like yeah. I, I don't, I, I never thought I was selfish, to be honest. But I, I, I guess. You go through that stage where, and I spoke about it my first night at Werribee last night, the different stages you have in your career and you start off and you're just happy to be there and then you want to play a game and then you want to be yep. established and then you want some recognition and then by the end you're just looking for team success. So I think my evolution um, was probably no different to most guys and by the end I was a bit more of a rounder player. Yeah, that's fair. Yep. Um, of course, then it was you went home for a year, didn't you? And... Yeah. And looked like you were going to come back to North, and then a couple of things fell away, and you uh, ended up at the parade, mate. I did, yeah. So I came back to Lara probably with the intention of staying for good. Um, I was going. I was, it's funny uh, how things work. I, I was single the whole time. I was in Adelaide, and then just about two weeks before I was about to move, I met my now fiance. We've been together ever since. Um, so I was moving back to Geelong two weeks later. With, with the assumption that we probably wouldn't see that much of each other going forward. But she moved over not long after, so I put the travel plans on halt, played footy at Lara with my brother, which was great. Um, we played finals that year. We, like It was a really strong competition. I came back and played in an interleague side that um, featured Matt Scarlett, uh, who else was in there, David Wojcinski, Tom Stewart before he got drafted. We, like, it was just jam-packed with, jam with gun players. The, I guess the, the itch was still there a little bit. To, oh, I, I felt like I, was, I still had a bit to give at state league level. And towards the back end of the year, North were flying, played in the grand final, and I yep. didn't want to miss out. Um, and I wanted to get back over there. And as you said, things didn't sort of pan out the way I would have liked. Um, and ended up at Norwood at a, at a great time where, again, like I just jumped on. Timing's everything in footy. And I, I jumped on um, onto the back of some great work from people who'd been there and was lucky enough to cash in with a flag. Because you broke your arm too towards the end of 
or halfway through in 14 and just yeah. made it back. May have had a few of us reminding me you had to push yourself at training in that last week and that uh, just made it yeah. back in time, mate. Yeah, I dislocated my wrist against North in a pretty ordinary tackle and I guess... Yes, that's right, yes. That, that when it happened, like, I, all I could think of was that we were going to win the flag and I was going to miss out and... I, that was basically the, the advice I was given by the docs that you're probably not going to play again. Like, it was a pretty bad dislocation um, of my wrist and told me I wasn't going to play again and I, I didn't really want to borrow that. So I did what I could and I remember just putting this brace on one night and someone, I got someone to kick a footy at me and I marked it and it actually felt okay and that sort of gave me confidence that not to give up and the boys just kept winning and... When that's happening, you're sort of thinking they're not going to change too much. And I've played a couple of really ordinary reserves games, but did enough to get back in the selection frame. And I just remember the last training night, I was still no guarantee to play. And my first handball, I reckon, missed the mark by about 10 metres. And that was, you know, I was, I've never been nervous at training. I really didn't really used to train that much. But that week, I thought I'd better put in a pretty good effort. And I started off really ordinary. And... Back end of that training session, Gags took me aside for a fitness test and I had to lay five tackles, which I probably didn't do in my whole career anyway. <laughs> I was loaded up on painkillers and I remember I actually like, nailed five of the best tackles of my career on Mitch Wicks and I reckon he went easy on me a little bit. He wasn't a chance to play, so he had nothing to gain by making me miss. So I did that and I remember thinking, if I have to lay one more, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to do it. My wrist was hurting that much and Gags said, Straight after training, I got a phone call from Duggar on the way to a team dinner saying you're playing. So that was uh, unbelievable. And then going into that game, it just felt like a free hit, really. Like, I didn't expect to play in that game. And there was no nerves at all. I just thought, how good this to be involved in all of this and just soaked it up. And it was a pretty memorable day, not just because we won, but the whole event, 40,000. Yeah, Adelaide I was going to say it was 40, um, 41,000, yep. Yeah, playing against Port. Um Got a bit of it early, which was nice. Died out later on, but oh, just the whole, the whole thing was unbelievable. My greatest, uh, my greatest highlight and memory in footy, really. I do remember spending a bit of time with you that night. You, you were along those lines where you went. I, I knew this was going to be good if I played in one, but Jesus is great. And how many numbers? You were a bit overawed with how many people were back at the parade and. You, yep. you, you just had a grin oh, like a Cheshire cat. and I remember taking a photo of you and sending it to one of the, trying to think, I reckon, um, NK, I reckon, in London. And, yeah, it was it was, um, it was was a great reminder to seeing you there that night that some of the players in their third, they were still, yep. they were really pumped. But just see someone with their first, you just, it was a good reminder, hey, premierships don't grow on trees. And we were lucky enough to win three in a row, but, yeah, don't yep. ever take anything for granted. No, well, that, that's it. Having played in two losing ones, and then the next year I was still a North man, and North lost that premiership. And, um, like, there's part of you, like, I, I wanted North to win, but there was a little part of me thinking, if I miss this, I'm not sure how I'm going to be able to deal with it. And um, I guess there was that relief, I remember, on the final siren, just crying straight away because, yep. one... At the start of the year, like I was devastated not to go back to North, and that knocked me around a fair bit. And then I got the chance at Norwood, and um, didn't look like I was going to play in the grand final. And then that just sort of swept me up. And I guess 
yeah, it was just a, a massive relief. And then after the relief, the jubilation sets in and, you know, guys that I got along with well, like Juice, who, who missed out as, yep. on playing. In, yep. I think that was his first one as well. Yeah, it was, um, yep. Yeah, so for those guys, um, I don't think you ever get sick of winning them. I only I won one, know. but I always thought after one, I'd, I'd just hang him up no matter what. And I said that at North and it was, uh, to be honest, it's a complete opposite feeling. I just didn't want to ever miss out on that feeling again and I was more hungry after that to, to go again and um, I say that to guys now like once you get a taste of it I, I watch I, I find it really hard to be honest to, to see other people win flags now because I know what they're they're feeling and I, I'm I'm just so envious of them like I'm, I'm happy for a lot of guys to be doing it but the feeling's unbelievable the week after was the best week of my life apart from having kids um, yeah, I thought you better quickly add that one, otherwise you would have been in the, yeah, been in the I'm shit, not mate. Sure, yep. I'm not sure if Kelly hears me talking up. I'm not sure if you'll listen to this back. But, um, yeah, like the week after, just the celebrations and just being around everyone that was a big part of that triumph was unbelievable. Now, you obviously talked about your uh, team successes with uh, North and Nord, but let's just take a little bit of a step back to 2007. You arrive at the SNFL and... <laughs> You basically claim every award there is, including the McGarry Medal. I mean, that's that's a big achievement in itself. And just some of your reflections on on the first one that you won, and we'll move on to the second and, and third a little bit later on. Yeah, I, I guess coming over, you don't really understand the significance of the competition being from here and, and what the award means. And again, like I find it, 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 it's, I find it a little bit uncomfortable to be honest that. The competition's changed so much, but the award yeah. is still yeah. the same thing. Like, it, yeah, it, it, I and I've got no, I've got no say in it. But like, my idea would be you change, you change the name of the award. Like that, that's because I, I've, you know, these guys who have won multiple awards before me are far greater players than I am, and and I don't feel comfortable in that company at all. So, yeah, you know, that that's one part of it. But in terms of winning it, um, any sort of recognition is is fantastic and I, I, I just found that was great reward for not only my effort but the whole the whole group and we didn't we didn't win the flag but we had a really successful year and and that was something I could share with teammates and if they could take any um, I guess satisfaction out of that I hope they did but the night itself was very different to the other two because we we're playing in a grand final and back then they had the McGarry on the Either the Monday or the Tuesday. Monday or the Tuesday, yeah. Week. yeah. So, yep. so sober as the judge, which was very different to the next two. Um, <laughs> and sitting around and and trying to concentrate on a grand final, having a late night there and getting bombarded with messages, which was unreal as well. Like, I wouldn't change any of it. But it was a very different feeling, and it didn't really sink in until later on because we had the grand final to concentrate on. So, Jimmy, when you moved on, so the second and – you went second and then a third and – you know, you're from Larry. You haven't heard. You would have while you were at North. I'm sure you heard about Robin. How good Robin was, but just you know, just to be mentioned. Hey, you won the that award the same many times as him. Now, I, I, look, Robin's the best player I've seen. So you know, I'm yeah. I, I'm in awe and always will be. And that's from a Nord supporter. Too as well. Yeah, I think any SAFL. You are any. I think anyone who really followed the SAFL. Yeah. Robin's number one, and just 
he was a freak. He did things which I've still never ever seen any other player do. And so you just, but that still would have, I'm sure Nick Haynes and the North faithful and Jamie Wolford and that side of things would have, hey, you won this thing the same number of times as Robert. How, how did that sort of, I know you're uncomfortable about it, Jimmy, but it still has to be deep down a massive satisfaction that you've won it the same number of times as the greatest. Yeah, oh. You know where I'm coming from. Yeah, I know, I know where you're coming from, yeah, but I, I don't I don't think of it like that. Like, I sort of, I think... And I respect winning, that as well, yeah. And I, I yeah. agree with you. It's not the same. It's And, it, and the competition's yeah. not the same. It's it's sad that I, it's I not the same. No, no, exactly. And what, what, I, what I'm probably most proud of is, um, I, I think winning an award like that, even once, is a good effort at any level. Um one thing I prided myself on a bit was was just my consistency, and you see a lot of guys have a have a good year, and it's not having a crack at them, but you, you have a really good year, and then they find it hard to reach those heights again. And one thing that I was proud of, more so than winning those awards, I thought I got better most years. Yeah, um, that's fair. And the intention uh, attention sort of increased, and I, I thought I still contributed all the time. And whether those awards were there or not, that's something. That I was that I was probably most proud of, and and they, I guess, were a bit of a, a recognition for that as much as anything else. Then moving on, so next, you sort of season, your career sort of ended a bit abruptly, and that sort of anything to say in that regard, Jimmy. And then we were after oh. after SNFL was. Now it was it ended abruptly, or I got. I thought I was going right. I was actually, and it's not everything, but I was coming fourth in the McGarry the week that I got dropped at Norwood with mm. one week to go leading into finals. So, I, obviously, the way I thought I was going, other people thought I was going a different to what the coach thought, and he's obviously the most important. So that that certainly didn't help me. But oh, look, I was I was pretty cooked towards the end. I thought I was still playing well enough to be in the side. Um, that that was a, that was a little bit disappointing, but the fact that I'd, I'd won a premiership the year before, I'd only been there two years and played twenty five games. It was, I don't know, it's probably different if I had it got dropped at North. I reckon. Um, yeah. In some in, in some respects, yeah. So there, there was a bit of that. Like it's always disappointing, and, and from a competitive bloke again who who has confidence in his own ability, I, I thought I deserved to be playing. But look, I'm not bitter about it. I probably was at the time. I'm not now. I'm well and truly past that. Um, yeah, I, I guess the one thing that I'll, I would say now, it's, it's probably helped me, and, and I don't, I've got to be careful what I say, it's probably helped me be a better coach. Um, yeah, that, yeah, I understand what you mean there. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and that's no disrespect to, to the coach at the time, but you learn things as you go, and I'm sure the, the coach learned things from that as well, but just around communication and, and feedback and just being really honest. I, I feel like if I'd have been given some, even if it was really stern feedback earlier, I could have done something about it. I, instead, I, I got given the news that I wasn't playing. It was too late. I was never getting back in then. So that was the yeah. disappointing part, I guess. I don't necessarily disagree with the decision. I was pretty ordinary the week before um, I got dropped. But just some feedback earlier with an opportunity to do something about it would have been nice. That's fair. Fair call. Cool. Uh Obviously playing 117 games with North Adelaide. Is there a couple that stand out to you that you can remember back to that, you know, you oh. just had the ball on a string and couldn't do anything wrong? Well, yeah, yeah. there's one that stands out um, probably down at South. 
Um, and, and this was more, it, it gives you a bit of an indication of what the, how, how footy was then and why it was probably, to be fair, more enjoyable to, more, more enjoyable to play. Um, we, we beat South. They kicked 20 goals. We kicked about 28 down there. It was just a shootout. And I think yeah. I had, well, I, I don't think I know. I had 46 and kicked three. I was going to say, and, I guarantee you knew how many you had, Jimmy. You keep going. And I, re- and I reckon I played on Clay Sampson. I reckon he had about 36. <laughs> so that was um, oh that that was enjoyable for many reasons. I was very superstitious. I, I'll try and cut this story short, but very superstitious in terms of routine. Um, the night before games and stuff, and that the night before that game, I was on the way to pick up my fish and chips, which I always did, and my car caught on fire. Um, and I didn't get to the fish and chip shelf on time, so I had to grab some pasta. Hey, that, and I was I was just that did my head in that I wasn't going to play well because my routine changed. So what, then, you started uh, burning your car each Friday night after about, that, Jimmy. Yeah, I was thinking about how I was going to burn out a car every Friday night. It was going to be something <laughs> big costly. So I went back to the fish and chips. But, yeah, it's funny how it works. Even that didn't deter me from sticking to what I'd always done. But that, that game stands out a bit, yeah. And there was another one at North. We didn't really play on each other, but Chad Corns played. And I kicked four goals in the first quarter. I thought I was going to kick 16, and I, was, <laughs> I didn't get near the goals again. I had a bit of the ball, but I got stuck on four. I thought, this is, how good is this? I might, I might really cash in with a big bag here, but it didn't eventuate. And then, obviously, uh, only playing the 27 with Nord. I think I know which one you're going to pick, and Malcolm's probably uh, shaking his head here, saying the best game for Nord that you can remember is probably the grand final. Yeah, absolutely. To be, to be honest, I don't really remember too many of the – Norwood ones standing out as being like really big games. It was a lot different. We, we played roles, and I was still still able to find the ball and play pretty well. But it was yeah, it was a lot different, and, and the, my focus by that stage was a lot different as well. So the grand final for, for a number of reasons. Not not that I've had, had an unbelievable individual game or anything. I thought I contributed yeah, you early did. on, but um, yeah, that game for, for all the reasons I mentioned before is yep. clearly a, clearly a highlight. Something I still think about regularly. Don't worry, you're not you're not on your Pat Malone there, Um, Jimmy. So you've been around the traps a fair bit, uh, coaching wise, and that's also had a bit to do with you managed to get teaching roles and all that. So go through all where you've been around. So certainly had roles at both Nord and North, and in the college system. And don't worry, Stump said we've got to make sure that we mention that yeah, yeah the super coaches at Ross Trevor now. So yes. He's running the Stump Academy. That's right. Yes, you'd have been worried. <laughs> would have been worried if Stump didn't get a mention. So go on, mate. Um, oh, look. To be honest, go, having a look at being around a little bit coaching wise was a little bit by design. Um, I started off. I started off as a playing assistant at Pembroke, and and That's we're right. in Div Three, and that that was that was the main reason there was that all my all my best mates were playing there that weren't playing in the sample. So. Um, that was an easy decision to go there. We went up to Div 2 and I took over um, the coaching role there. And Look, the promotion relegation um, system in the SAFL or the Adelaide Footy League now works for some clubs and I don't think it works for others. And for a club like Pembroke, we lost five or six of our best players who didn't get paid because they, you know, reached what they achieved what they wanted to do with their mates and took off. And we weren't able to recruit. We had no money. So Div 2 was probably, you know, it was probably... A challenge too far, and we struggled. So I took the opportunity then to go to back to Norwood and coach the under 18s, which I think was still probably the best move I made 
given the fact that as an under-18 coach, you really do get to run your own program, and it gives you experiences that the head coach at senior level um, get that you probably don't get elsewhere in terms of managing staff and um, you know yeah. like liaising with junior clubs and schools. So I'll be forever grateful for the opportunity to do that. From there, I'll probably once my son came along, Teddy, I wanted to as much as I could combine work with footy um, and tie them both in. So the director of footy role became available, or we, I guess we created. It wasn't really something that was in place at Ross Trevor. So I was able to coach, run the footy program and, and teach all in, all as part of one role, which was great. And I lived just up the road, which was even better. Yeah. Yeah. So I did that for three years. Um, one of those years, the COVID year, I got back involved at Nord and that was something I wanted to get back involved at senior level given that, you know, that's that's where I wanted to go at some point. I had no real idea of when that was, um, but it was very hard juggling the two. So I sort of just went back to school and stuck that out. And then this year gave away the um, coaching role while still being the director of footy at Ross Trevor and, and went back to North Adelaide, which, again, not, not just the opportunity to coach at senior level, um, the opportunity to get back and connect with the footy club after 10 years away was something that I thought was really important, not just for my footy staff, but personally, it was something I really thought I needed to do and and so glad that I did it because I mended, not not that they were completely fractured, but I I strengthened some relationships that probably um, were fractured a little bit because of the stuff that happened 10 years ago and, and, you know, that was something that was important to me. Yeah, no, good on you in that way, Jimmy. I totally get that. I, I, there's always a, there was always a pull back to your original club. I, yeah, I, I get, I get that. I, you know, I had some. I think we all get that. And yes, things can happen and things can be done better. And probably look at it a bit. Yeah, maybe I want. Yeah, we might have done something wrong. It, it, yeah, so I totally get that. Well and truly, yeah. that yeah, there is always a pull of that original club. It was, a good, it was a good move, and I, again, I say it all the time. I love my, I love my time at Norwood. Um, I really did. But I, like you said, I played 27 games. I had two years there. I went back and coached. I, I do love the joint, but North Adelaide was where I moved to when I was still growing up, really. So I, I feel like I grew up and grew a lot of the person there as well. And I played most of my footy there, and a lot of the backroom staff are still there now, yeah. and it, it, it felt like going home. Uh, you're a rooster at heart, no problem at all with that, mate. Yeah. Did, uh, you know, obviously heading back to Norwood and, and coaching the juniors and, and then at North Adelaide, is there a couple of players that got drafted that you keep a bit of an eye on these days from your program? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was lucky enough, especially the first year at um, Norwood, we had a really a really good side. Unfortunately, most of them went to college, so we, we went from being probably the best side in the comp to being the worst side in the comp when college footy was on but Kate Chandler um, is one that I still keep in contact with now it's unreal seeing him doing what he's doing at Melbourne mm-hmm. just a just a genuinely great person as well as a gun footballer so I'm yep. um, really proud of what he's doing Dylan Stevens was playing there then um, now traded to North Melbourne so I hope he finds his feet there because he's as good as I've as seen at yes, school yeah um, to be honest, Max Michelaney, the first thing that I... He was the first player I noticed when I got to training at Ross Trevor. Um, and he, he told me he was a forward. Everyone told me he was a forward. And there was no way he was playing forward after what I could see him doing back. And he's, you know, he's leading the, 
Adelaide Crows best and fairest five rounds in in his yeah. first years shows how good he is. He's unbelievable. Um, oh, there's another one too. There's another one too. Jimmy it spoke very, speaks highly of you, and just unfortunately his groins bloody didn't give him a crack. Kid, I rate enormously as a person as well. More importantly than footy is Luke Valenti as well, mate. Oh, absolute cracker. Um, I was about to get to that. You, you sort of, you, you, when that question gets asked, you immediately think of guys who are, who are doing well at AFL level. But some of those guys, they, and, and Luke was unfortunate because of the injury. He, he was as, as, he's as good a leader as I've ever seen. We would have won yep. the flag in the under-18s if he, he wasn't injured. injured yep. I'd love to think that he'd still be playing at Fremantle and playing really good footy if he didn't. But again, like I'm, I, I get a lot of satisfaction, and, and I, I trust me, I don't take much of the credit for it. But being able to play a role in the development of some of those guys who played in Norwood's Premiership last year, like Jacob Kennelly, Ben Jarvis, um, you know, Mitch Carroll, Sam Morris. I, I'm going to miss someone. I'm going to be really embarrassed about it. Xavier um, Transfer missed out, but seeing what those guys did and the contribution they made to Norwood's flag, um, even though they played. They played north, and I had mixed emotions about who was going to win. I was so happy for all of those guys. Um, you, you did get a discussion. So, Matty Panos, obviously, with Ross Trevor as well, pre, you know, earlier than that. But it did get a discussion on grand final night. Don't worry, Jacob Jacob was pretty keen to push the Ross Trevor barrel that night. Yeah, Fair enough. Too. And I, I, didn't, I didn't have them at Ross Trevor, but they were a big part of the school there. They, they were in my under-18 team at Norwood. So, Norwood, the Norwood-Ross Trevor connection is really strong, and it's... Um, like I, one thing that drew me to the job at Ross Trevor was the dealings I had with the Ross Trevor boys in the Norwood under-18s were fantastic. I always found them to be just really genuine, humble, hard-working kids. And it was no surprise to see what they did as a big part of that Norwood flag. Well, we've got that in common because I've always said Luke Valenti's the best leader I've been involved with coaching as well. So we've got that in common, mate. Um, so now, the, the current. Yeah. Back to Werribee, mate. Back, back home. Huge, mate. Congratulations yeah. and all the best. You've lost a couple of players to the draft. bit unlucky losing a 26-year-old to the draft, mate. But, uh, yeah. All <laughs> no, be- it's, uh, oh, look, it's, exo- it's really exciting. Um, you know, for, a num- for a number of reasons. Again, you talk about what footy clubs mean to you and, and homes. Werribee really did kickstart my senior footy career after that one year that I had at Geelong. And, and again, this has helped my coach, I have no, like every experience I've had, I'm really grateful for, but I've got a really good understanding of what it's like to be number 40 on the list when I was at Geelong. Um, yep. And I went to Werribee and things were just different. I, it was a genuine footy club feel. And, and that's what I love about footy. I love going back into the rooms afterwards and having a beer. And a lot of my good mates were mates that I met at Werribee. So when that job came up, um, I was actually home. My home, where my parents are, is 20 minutes away. This is where I grew up in Lara, 20 minutes away from Geelong, 20 minutes away from Werribee. So it, it's a massive homecoming of sorts for me. Um, a lot of the same people around still, and, and I was just struck as soon as I went there. Facilities and everything have changed immensely for the better, but the feel of the club still what I remember it. And I'm yeah really excited to get stuck in. Yep, we've lost some players. We lost a couple of the draft, but that's speaks to the development program that's in yep. place at the club. We lost some really, some champions of the footy club as well to retirement. Um, guys that you wouldn't have heard of really over in SA, but guys that are household BFL names. But yep. 
as much as I would have loved them to stick around, I understand why they're leaving and it just gives opportunity to guys who missed out last year. And the footy club, the team won 18 on the trot, I think it was, or 16 on the trot last year. And the feedback that I've got, there was eight or ten blokes who were genuinely stiff to be missing out every week. And those guys now get an opportunity. And I've only been back for a couple of nights and you can already see how hungry those guys are. And, yeah, I'm excited about what can be done. Outsiders looking in probably think, we're going to fall off the perch a little bit because of what we lost. I, I, I don't share that view at all. And I, I met with the leaders last night, and they're, they're just as excited as I am about what, what lies ahead. Ah, look, all the best there, Jimmy. Yeah. Well and truly. How did the uh, Werribee uh, gig come about? Uh, were you approached or uh, did you apply? No, I applied. I, I was, again, I talk about timing being everything. I was actually home at the time, and I applied and went through a process for a, for another coaching job over there and just missed out from what I, what I was told. And when I got the phone call to tell me that, I was actually home in Lara and it was two days after Mick Barlow had announced that he was going to North Melbourne as head of development. Yep. Um, the CEO at Werribee was the footy manager while I was there. So we've kept in contact over the years and I just messaged him and said, Mark, I'm really keen to apply. What's the go? And he said, we're not taking applications. We're going to draw up a shortlist. Um, I said, I'm here to the weekend. Can we catch up? So I went up Friday, showed me through the place, had a chat, gave me no guarantees that I'd even get an interview. I had to wait till the next week to find out I was getting an interview and then came back a couple of times to present to the panel. Then I had to meet with the board um, on Zoom. So it was a, it was a thorough process. Um, but... Again, I just love talking footy, so I enjoyed every minute yeah. of it. I didn't enjoy, I didn't enjoy the wait. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I was really excited when I got the call that, that the job was mine if I wanted it. So, yeah, can't wait to get stuck into it. And, yeah, doing footy as a job seems pretty good thing to me. Oh, Jimmy's a bit... Uh, fellow cricket nut as well, lover of Richard Cheekwee. Uh, always enjoy your uh, following of, of Richard Cheekwee stuff as well, mate. Uh, Garnet, New South Wales, wasn't he? Yes, yes. And, uh, it was always amusing, some of those chats between all you boys about Richard Cheekway. So, so did, did you ever did you ever pursue cricket on a social level or semi-interest? Uh, uh, I, I, I played very seriously up until I was 16. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I was a wicketkeeper. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I thought you were a keeper. Yep. Reasonably, oh, I think, yeah, I was a reasonably good keeper. My batting left a bit to be desired. Uh, I was in the... I went through the state. I was in the squads in the state side, but I was behind um, my first year. I reckon I was behind Adam Crossway, so I was pretty stiff. And then I was behind Peter Neville after that. So, um, yeah, footy was always going to be the thing. But as I said, playing cricket and footy in Lara and Geelong was all that we did. We we had a competition over here, the under sixteen comp, the Dowling Shield, which is a big yes, under yeah. sixteen comp. And my first year playing in the Dowling Shield. We won it two years in a row, um, and that was against every district club in, in Victoria, so it was, a, it was a big deal. My first year, our captain was Luke Hodge batting at number four and bowling first change. Jimmy Bartell was at three. He was our vice-captain. And Tim Boyle got drafted to Hawthorne at yeah. number five. He batted at number five. Then we had some really handy other players there, and then the next year when I played Aaron Finch batted number three. I reckon he was about 13 in an under-16 comp. And our captain, Matt Harrison, ended up playing state cricket as well. So played with some very handy sportsmen through there. I love my cricket, but it came to a point where I had to choose one and I was probably better footballer 
and going out and cricket and sitting around watching was something that I did a lot and I wasn't really that keen on doing that long term. Yeah. Uh, I certainly Fair understand call. that point. That Absolutely. side of it, yes. Hey, Jimmy, greatly appreciate having you on the show, mate. Well, before we... Before yep, sorry. we wrap yep. it up, sorry. We, point, we, yes, we, we better go our normal. We Fair better point. ask, which we do with everybody, um, in that uh, uh, we'll do it in two stages. Um, best players, and you can name three or four that you played with at North Adelaide and also players played against. So best players oh, played man. with and against. Yep. Yeah, tough one. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> Played one game with Gary Ablett. I'm not going to count that. <laughs> and going back to the reserves and play one. Oh, I think the Ben Hart played in my first year in 2007. He was unbelievable. Um, yeah, he was probably hey. it at, at that level. But, oh, mate, Chris Laddams, Motlop, Uni, Alloway. Alloway was probably, oh, I think he was very underrated in the comp. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, he was. He, you just kick it to him, he make you look good. So he was good. The other one that probably wasn't, I don't know, if he was as the best player going around, but made my job easier in my first year was Dean Howard. Yep. Um, he he had he had a lot of the opposition scared, and he looked after us a lot in there. So he was he was unreal. Um, opposition wise, oh, sorry, going back to playing over here, I played with Podsy. Podsy was a freak, and yep. he would have got drafted earlier if they they basically changed the rookie rules to get him drafted. Um, he was unbelievable, and Travis Robertson was another one who was our captain at Werribee, absolute gun. Um, opposition best players I've played against, oh, Ian Callanan was pretty good. Yep. Um, I'm trying to think. There was plenty of good. I'm going to miss someone. There were plenty of good players around. Oh, Jeremy Clayton. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I had to tag Jeremy Clayton one day. That didn't last long. Um, <laughs> yeah, they they were probably and and playing with sorry, going to my Norwood days. Kieran McGuinness was. Yeah, I was, don't worry. I was going to say I I, it's a, I was ha- I was going to have to bring that up. Okay, Mac. Yeah. yeah, it was. A, it's a funny one though because I played with him at Werribee when he was listed at the Dogs. Okay, yeah. Um, I was going to ask that like, actually. And he became well, not not that he wasn't a good player then, but. I don't think many would have envisaged him turning into the player he did, having seen what he was like when he was younger. Like he was a good, he was a good player, but he became the best player in the comp in my yeah, view. Yeah, he was. Kieran McInnes was the best player in Sample, and, and um, unbelievable leader as well. Yeah, yeah. No, we're on the same page again, there, uh, Jimmy. That's uh, unusual that you agree, mm. so. <laughs> mate. We'll we'll get you out of here on this one. Uh, obviously. You had an opportunity at Geelong and obviously being uh, with Werribee and the, the Bulldogs affiliation there. Do, do you ever think that a second or third go at the AFL was ever going to come about and would you have liked it to come about? Oh, I, I would have liked it. Um, in saying that, oh, I wouldn't... At, at the time, I would have liked it, but knowing what I know now, I wouldn't change any of it. Um, I, I wonder whether if I... If I had got drafted and played 10 games and then just my career fizzled out, I don't think I would have been as content as I would be right now. Yeah. Um, okay. There wasn't really a lot of interest. I had a, I had a lot of injuries. I'm, I'm, I'm five foot nothing. Um, not overly quick. Don't tackle. Like, there was probably limited spots for guys like me. There's a man pretty, after my own heart. Pretty, yeah. I was pretty realistic about that. Um, yeah, so... 
to be honest, it wasn't something that, like, it wasn't like I played with a chip on my shoulder about it. Like, some guys get really upset about it, and that drives, and that was never the case for me. Oh, the only, re- the only re- going back, going back. Oh, the one thing that I wish had happened was that I probably had had that first year at Geelong to get my body right after an Rico and yeah. having a real crack at it in my second year. But at that time, I, I was I was there two years after Bartel, um, Johnson, Kelly, all those guys got drafted. So I probably would have put a bit more time into them than me as well. <laughs> The only re- the, that, yeah, and the only reason I ask is, you know, obviously you had success with winning a couple of uh, McGarry medals and generally uh, players that are being recognised uh, at, at SNFL level get a, another opportunity and, um, yeah, unfortunately it didn't come about, but uh, certainly your record will stand the test of time, that's for sure. Yeah, I was a different time then as well. There's so many opportunities for guys now to get drafted and, like, we're doing recruiting stuff at, at Werribee now and... Like there's guys that can train with clubs up until February, March, I think. Yeah. Like that, that, just those opportunities now didn't exist. So yeah, whether, whether you get an opportunity now or not, who knows? But, um, yeah, it's not something I'll, I'll think about. I certainly don't lose any sleep over it. Hey, Jimmy, greatly appreciated, mate. All the best uh, at Werribee and all the best to you know, your family and all that. And greatly appreciated, mate. Thank you, mate. Uh, no worries at all. Thanks for your time. No, Cheers, thanks, boys. Jimmy. Thanks, mate. See you, mate. Ah. And uh, we thank uh, Jimmy Allen for being with us tonight and, uh, you know, sharing some insights into, you know, his time at North Adelaide and how he got to North Adelaide and then obviously such a successful period for himself personally at North Adelaide and then finally gets the elusive premiership at Norwood. Oh, and he was pretty honest too where the competition rates and, yeah, look, no one can get prepared to robber and it's it's a bit of fun with Jimmy Jimmy mm. in that way. You're a triple McGarry medalist like, like the greatest, but, you know, his record's pretty incredible, though. Five BNFs in a row is is incredible at any anywhere. So, yeah, and he was honest there as well. Um, you know, enjoyable chat, and yeah, no, he's a fellow cricket nut as well, Jimmy. So we always have that, that in, always have that in common with him as well. So, yeah, and I do remember, you know, vividly spending a bit of time with him and mucking around, sending photos to London and that on fourteen grand final night. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And one thing we did sort of skip over and we didn't ask him about was that he got to captain the Roosters in uh, 2012 and, you know, you, you're, you're coming from a different state, not really sort of knowing, like he explained, not knowing yeah. what the SNFL was really about and really found himself entrenched at North Adelaide there and a bit unfortunate that he didn't get back there to, to finish his career but he ends up coming to Nord and getting that elusive premiership. Yeah, he got so. the premiership and... Don't worry, Stump, Stump will be very happy that he got in the Stump Academy at Ross Trevor mentioned. So thanks, Jimmy. Fantastic. Thanks, Jimmy. And uh, obviously uh, we'll, we'll play that interview uh, as part of our past players, past legends segment yeah, at, we'll some at some stage. some stage. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll, I'll certainly send it to Jimmy when we do. You're listening to the Game On Podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. All right, on happy days today, we're going to go a little bit earlier on this happy birthday because over the next week or so, obviously with Christmas and New Year's, we've got a couple of special episodes planned. 
But um, happy birthday to Rory Laird on the 29th of December, drafted by Adelaide with the number five pick in the 2011 rookie draft in his first season. He didn't play in his first season of AFL, obviously he played 18 consecutive games for West Adelaide, then was elevated to the Crows senior list. Crows have done pretty well um, out of some of their rookies and, and their rookie listings over the years, and Rory Laird's probably a good example of that once again. Yeah, Rory Laird and Ben Rutten in terms of that regard from mm. West Adelaide. So a couple of huge successes there. I, I still prefer him at half pack, <laughs> yes. but um, he does find the ball. Whether he hurts enough with the disposal is the only knock on him. But, geez, he's hard at it, consistent. Gets the ball in the right yeah. spots. Yeah, he, all Australian on that in terms of, yeah. Uh, made his Keeps debut. De- squad yeah, he's a, he's a, been a very very consistent player for the Adelaide Footy Club. Absolutely, made his debut back in 2013 against the Western Bulldogs in round four. Immediately became a regular part yeah. of the team, like you said, and uh, his disposals, you know, certainly um, warrant uh, his all Australian, all Australian squad selections at the time. And yeah, I think he's only getting better at the moment, and I think. Adelaide have found a bit of a new role for him. Obviously, uh, good good roles for him with the Adelaide team. We move on to 1984. West Indian batsman Sir Viv Richards scores 208 versus Australia in the Test match at the Melbourne Cricket Ground. Oh, he's as good a player as anyone to ever watch. Always exciting to watch, yeah, wasn't he? Just his authoritative. I think even the way he just walked out to bat, his arrogance, and he was the master of mind games. You know, Tim Mays made that point. That he he was so intimidating and and I oh, just an absolute he's one of the he's one of the all timers absolutely moving on to tennis in 1985 the 74th Davis Cup Sweden beats Germany in Munich three two we've talked previously about the Davis Cups and how we sort of yeah, want the format like to go back, back. Yep. to the way it was so thought we'd chuck that yep. one in there today moving on 1997 basketball Chicago Bulls coach. Phil Jackson is the quickest to reach 500 wins in 682 games. It's a pretty quick way, pretty quick to get to the 500, but wasn't let, he? Yeah, but let's look at who was in that team. You had yeah. Pippen, um, Michael Jordan, Luke Longley, um, who else was there? Rodman. Um, some pretty impressive players that obviously they did go on a bit of a run there quite some time, but you're right, pretty impressive. Of course, the number 500, the number all around us this week with Nathan Lyon getting his 500 test wicket. We should have probably mentioned that we, earlier. Yes. So, yeah, well done to Gary in that regard. Agreed. We'll we add it to happy days. Yep. Uh, perfectly segued into that one. And to finish off, off, mate, in 1894 in golf, the United States Golf Association forms in New York. The reason I bring that up is because um, – over the next couple of weeks, we're going to do our top 10 sporting moments. And Live Golf was obviously part of it, but very interesting that the US uh, system was formed in 1894. Yeah, it's probably American-based in a lot of it, where you think how the how the so-called the, the, the Big Four tournaments yes. and how many you know the Masters and the US Open and all that. So, yeah, it's not a surprise in that way, is it? No, it's not. Yeah. Anyway, we'll leave that one there and we'll scoot into the Extra Time Big Finish. Extra Time Big Finish. Kick off with baseball once again, mate. Uh, the Adelaide Giants home game games against Perth this weekend. 
in a bit of a grand final rematch. Yeah, a little bit disappointing last weekend too to split with Canberra after having won the first game 27-9, yeah. won the other game 11-6. So they won two games easily and then lost both other by one run. So it was disappointing not to be 3-1 at least for yep. the weekend. So yeah, it is a big home series now because we were well out front and we've gradually coming back. Absolutely. Uh, the Adelaide Giants currently at 13-6 and six, uh, with a narrow lead at the top of the table. The Heat are 8-3. Um, and three. Their last 11 games yeah. have come with, you know, within sights of the top of the table and really getting closer to uh, Adelaide, the Adelaide Giants there. Yeah, so it's a big home series. Absolutely, and I'm sure the uh, Adelaide Giants have fond memories of winning the yes. grand final last year. All right, mate, we move on to the NRL. The NRL, an NRL prodigy set to be deregistered after a guilty verdict in court. Absolutely crazy. Attack somebody or a tradesman with a hammer. NRL continue to shoot themselves in the foot. I'm just going to leave it at that. Well, you've led perfectly into my next point. The um, promotion of the rugby being over in America happened uh, during the week and the American Rugby League Club uh, has slammed the NRL over an embarrassing blunder on their promotion, promotional USA tour where a player was sent to a rugby union club and not a rugby league club. Yeah, <laughs> shake my head. Yeah. Word, words fail, man. That's unusual for me, mate. It is. Um, yes. I've stumped you on one there. Oh, and More not so much stumped, just incompetence. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I had to add that one in there because yes, I had no, a little chuckle right. when I did see that going. How can yes. you get that one so wrong? All right, we move on to tennis. Tom Lanovich is convinced special things can happen this summer when she is returning to the tennis court. Yeah, been out for a long time, so we wish her all the best. Had a little bit of a knee yeah. injury there. It's taken her 10 months to sort of come back to the game, but seems pretty confident that uh, things can turn around. Yeah. And to finish us off on tennis, fire crews were rushed to the iconic Kuyonga Lawn Tennis Club after black smoke was seen billowing from the roof, uh, we find out that a air conditioning unit caught caught uh, a light. Well, it's better news than it could have been. And after hearing about fires with Western Australia with bloody idiots stuffing up the emergency services thing, there, I know what I'd like to do to some of those people. And we'll move on to the SNFL. The SNFL men's fixture and women's fixture has been released. Nord playing Sturt, Sturt uh, in the first round and in the women's playing the uh, Bulldogs. Yeah, obviously the lights at Alberton have been done and all that with the with the upgrade there. So I think Nord are actually playing Port. You know, potentially the last time they'll play Port uh, as a, a night game at Alberton. So in the, in the SNFL, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, mate, I know we've we've powered through today's episode, but um, to finish us off, mate, being that it is almost Christmas, there's going to be no good, bad, the ugly this week, but one or maybe two sporting Christmas wishes. I'll go the impossible. I'll go the Redbacks <laughs> to win every game and win the Shield. Yeah. Fantastic. Any other Christmas wishes, mate? That was a very obvious one for me. Obviously, <laughs> I might as well throw Nord in as well, and yep. then we'll keep going. All right. Uh, my Christmas wishes, sporting Christmas wishes, I'm with you with uh, Nord at the moment, mate, but uh, I'd like to see Alex Dimonor take out the Australian Open or at least make the final. Um, and then, obviously, Adelaide United uh, to come home with a wet sail and make the finals there as well. So, Alex Carey to make another Test 100. There's one off the There you go. Fantastic. All right, mate. 
thank you very much for your time today. Um, just a little bit of a heads up to everybody over the Christmas period. We're going to do our top 10 Australian sporting moments or world sporting moments. And we're also going to do our top South Australian sporting moments. We're going to sort of top split, five to 10. Yeah, yeah. Split yep. that, split that one up over the next couple of weeks, um, which will take us into the new year. And then we'll be back, mate. So thank oh, you very much for your time. Try and get a special guest on at some stage. Absolutely. Um, thank you, mate, for your work this year in, uh, in, being part of the podcast and uh, obviously securing a couple of names there. As you said, we're going to try and get somebody on, uh, you know, special guest over the, yeah. over the break, which will be fantastic. And uh, as per usual, mate, we promise to do better. Yep, we'll keep having a crack. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to everybody. Same to you, mate. In this crazy world we live in, we all need the distraction. Enjoying the show? Like, rate, and subscribe. Hook up and connect with us on social media at SportsCast SA. We'll see you next time on Game On.